Welcome to the Vincentian Heritage Podcast, a selection of readings on Vincentian history, spirituality, and praxis to help sustain the members of the Vincentian family in our shared efforts to live out the mission, vision, and values of St. Vincent de Paul. This episode's reading is entitled, To the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, Emulating Vincent, published in 2010 in Vincent de Paul, His Mind and His Manner. It is read by David Edward Sims. Blessed Frederick Ozenam got it right when he recognized St. Vincent de Paul as the proper person to serve as patron for his infant society. Frederick was serious in his choice, for a patron, he observed, is not a trite emblem for a society or even an honorable name for preserving a good appearance in the religious world. The patron is, rather, a model for his followers to strive and imitate, just as the patron, for his part, imitates the example of Jesus Christ. The patron, Frederick continued, is a life to be carried on, a heart in which one's own heart is enkindled, and an intelligence from which light should be sought. These are good insights and together they define the four qualities of a patron that Frederick wished for. As to the first quality, Vincent the model establishes a connection with Jesus Christ, whose life and example the saint reflects in his own life. When reading A Life of St. Vincent de Paul, Frederick sought to extract what he called examples and traditions— the thoughts and virtues of the saint, by which the society could rise above the personal imperfections of its members and make itself useful in the church. Another advantage Vincent provided for the society was that he was closer to Frederick's generation than some of the more ancient and remote saints. Vincent had, thought Frederick, an anticipated vision of the evils and needs of our age— He was not a man to build on sand, nor to build for two days, an observation verified by the 400-year legacy of Vincent. Another quality of a patron is a life to be carried on. What that would mean is that Vincent's followers make possible an ongoing presence of the man, not by slavishly reproducing the configurations of his life, but by extracting his essence and carrying on his works in the manner and spirit in which he established them. Thus Vincent's communities, his major enterprises, the priests of the mission, the daughters of charity, the ladies of charity, have faithfully carried on the services he once provided to his contemporaries. Other organizations inspired by Vincent sprang up later, in particular, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, which successfully captured his spirit and continued his charism. There are still other communities of service to the poor, both religious and lay, that have joined the parade over the years. Although most of these groups are not directly connected with the Vincentian tradition, they have found ways of aligning their charisms with it in order to enjoy some kinship with the Vincentian family. The third quality Frederick sought is a heart to be enkindled. Vincent's heart, 
as the center of his being, burned with love and zeal, and that warmth went out to the multitudes he served. The listing of works that commanded his attention is remarkable. Care of the foundlings and orphans, the sick poor, the rural poor, the mentally ill, the clergy and their formation, the episcopacy, war veterans and war refugees, galley prisoners and Barbary captives. All of this responsibility while managing his communities and giving rural missions. In turn, those engaged with one or more of these ministries could turn to him to catch the flame of his zeal for their own particular service to the poor. No one hesitated to approach him, whether poor or wealthy, clergy or laity, peasant or aristocrat. If Vincent's heart gives warmth, his intelligence gives light, as the fourth characteristic notes. The saint was not an intellectual in the sense that he embraced the full-time cultivation of the life of the mind. Indeed, he downplayed himself as a country boy. But his intelligence, joined with his shrewd peasant sense, made him at home with all levels of society. The great saints who came closest to God, said Frederick, assume something of the prophetic. For this reason, we can understand the attraction Vincent had as counsel for kings and queens, princes and scholars, cardinals, bishops and theologians, religious and lay. He had a global vision by which he could read the signs of the times as we say today. Thereby, Vincent was able to comprehend the needs of the poor, as well as the remedies available, the needs of the Church of France, the urgency of the need for education of the clergy in virtue, in knowledge, and in pastoral effectiveness. In addition to the above, Vincent's intelligence led him to accept several appointed positions of leadership in the Church of France. He was at the forefront of reforms of the clergy and sponsored education of candidates for ordination by way of retreats and conferences. Likewise, he sponsored ongoing programs to further educate and renew those already ordained, including bishops. A remarkable feature of his reform was the Tuesday conferences for the clergy, which included theological education as well as instruction in simple preaching to counteract the bombastic quality of some pulpit oratory. The family continues to benefit from his organizational skills and his gift in identifying priorities to address. A high point of Vincent's leadership was his struggle against the heresy of Jansenism a system which took an austere and pessimistic view of Christian life. It promoted predestination and the notion that grace is given only to the favored few. For this reason, the reception of communion was offered rarely as an occasional reward for virtue. This interpretation had a baneful effect on the desire of the faithful for frequent communion. 
Even though the heresy touched many of his friends, Vincent fought vigorously against the doctrine and whatever contamination it might cause his followers. He was vocal in supporting the theologians and churchmen who opposed it until its ultimate condemnation by Rome. In successfully challenging the movement, Vincent had the last laugh for those who dismissed him as a bumpkin. Frederick said that the essence of the patron is a model on earth and a protector in heaven. Enough has been said of model. Vincent's view of heavenly patronage recognized those in heaven as advocates who serve beyond the grave in continuity with the mission. In practice, he called the death of members going to the mission of heaven. Speaking once of a good man who died, Vincent noted, I think that this man will be able to do more in heaven than he was able to accomplish on earth. Another example can be found during a year wherein Vincent had to announce the deaths of eleven confreres, three by sickness on their way to Madagascar, and eight by serving the plague-stricken in Genoa. Because these men gave their lives for the mission, the saint believed, if we have lost on the one hand, we have gained on the other. The ashes of these apostolic men will be the seed of a great number of good missionaries. So Vincent's belief about fidelity to the mission passes on to us, for whom he has become our advocate. Using this analogy, we might also consider our own predecessors in the Vincentian mission, our advocates in heaven. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Incension Heritage Podcast. If you have any questions, please send them to mission.depaul at gmail.com. Be sure to check out all the other Vincentian family resources on our website, mission.depaul.edu.